Well, welcome back to another episode of the Buffalo Happy Hour. Mike, what's up, dude? I have no idea. We're not even ready. My favorite. The people love Boring. the rawness, you know. Pause. Pause. Um, <laughs> raw. All right. Uh, we'll start with sponsors, and then we'll get to useless fact, and then we'll get into the meat and potatoes of today's episode. Meat and taters. Do you like um, regular potatoes or sweet potato fries if you're going to order? Right. Uh, dude, that really depends on my mood. I don't like that answer. If I'm telling you right now. Again, I'm it depends you, on my mood. Okay, well, your mood right now then. If I'm asking you right now, Mike, I'm going to go inside and make potatoes. Do you want sweet potato fries or regular potato fries? Right now. Sweet potato fries. Okay. What What's the main dish, though? Is it a side or is that it? I'm just giving Am I you getting fries. honey? I'm just getting you fries. Don't. You're asking too many questions. If I'm going inside, you think I have honey in the house? I do have honey yeah, in the house. And I, I have agave for some reason. Gina's like, we need agave. Right. But uh, so you would go sweet potato fries? Easy. This is a children's show. I'm doing. <laughs> Just bleep it out. <laughs> I'm a disaster. I forgot we were live. Welcome, everybody. We're the um, Buffalo Happy Hour. If you're new here, please consider subscribing, leaving a like on the video, and uh, leave a comment down below. Let us know what your favorite part of today's episode was. We just got done recording three Wednesday Whiskey reviews from Glen Rose Spirits and Yellowstone Limestone something with uh, Sam Elliott. Definitely go check that out. Not sponsored by Sam Elliott. He has right. nothing to do with the whiskey. But uh, yeah, what's up? Can we go back to fries? Sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> all right. If you're just it's really like, hey, I'm making French fries. Like I'm immediately thinking about normal French fries, not sweet potato fries. If you're asking me, I'm going to go make fries. Like, do you want sweet potato or normal? I'm going to tell you sweet potato and then throw some honey inside. Is it because you think they're healthier? Or because they technically are healthier, but you're deep Correct. frying it. So it's not like super, super healthier. But- or you can air fry them, which is also very good. But are you going sweet potato because you think that they're healthier, or are you going them because you actually like the taste? Mixture of both. Okay, yeah, because I had sweet potato fries for lunch. It's so good. Yeah, they're bomb. Um, okay, today's sponsors, Queen City Creative Works. Thank you guys for your continued partnership. We appreciate you a lot. They are a married couple that live in Chicktawaga. They make I was saying a lot. Uh, they make branded merchandise. Okay, so if you are interested in purchasing branded Buffalo Happy Hour merchandise, specifically black slate coasters, a bottle opener wrapped in silicone that's metal to speed bottle opener and or a water bottle. Put it up. Show the people. The water bottle is branded here. with our logo. Look at that. Okay. So they even match too, so you can buy both. Correct. So go on their website, queencitycreativeworks.com. Scroll all the way down on their homepage. You'll see Buffalo Happy Hour Shop now. Click that button. Voila. Shop. They don't care where you live. They'll ship it right to you. USPS, whatevs. They'll make it work. Thank you for your continued partnership. If you want to buy an item, you're not only supporting Buffalo Happy Hour, but you're also supporting Queen City Creative Works. They're two kids and their two dogs and their marriage. Go Bills. Addy is thank you for your logo. High Peaks Imagery. If you want to take your marketing, business marketing specifically, to another level, then call High Peaks Imagery and have them come out with their first-person drone footage. They can fly around your establishment and capture it all on video and then make really cool montages about what you offer to the people that come in and spend money. So reach out to High Peaks. High Peaks, thank you for your continued partnership, and we will be talking to you soon for updated contract negotiations. Just kidding. <laughs> so... 
All right, everybody, moving on to- Call me Debo Samuel. (laughs) Yeah, I'm a free agent. Uh, Let me talk about the useless fact. This one is in regards to the Canadian government. We got to talk about the draft too today, bro. Continue. There's a lot. Yeah, there is. All right. Uh, Vince Coleman was a train dispatcher for the Canadian government railways. There's not a lot in Canada that's private. Anyways, we'll talk about that later. Uh, He sacrificed his life to warn of an incoming train. No, I'm sorry. He sacrificed (laughs) his life to warn an incoming train. Oh, okay. Of an... um You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. (laughs) I could really use Current. (laughs) I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Immediate explosion. His telegraph said, hold up the train, ammunition ship, a fire in harbor, making for Pier 6 will explode. Guess this will be my last message. Goodbye, boys. He saved 300 lives. Holy shit. Right? This is a children's show. Um, So it was a terrible disaster that happened in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Halifax. Yeah. In 1970, during World War One, when an ammunition ship exploded in the harbor, uh, people go there and they visit the cemeteries and museums to learn about the event. It can hardly be avoided in Halifax, which is such a nice place. Um, these are all separate comments of people that know a lot about the event as well. This person also said not only that, he got the message out before the ship exploded. After the explosion... All communications were out. The only reason people outside of Halifax knew what happened was because of his message. Not only did he save the lives of those on the trains, it also greatly ha- uh, hastened, hastened, hastened rescue and first aid efforts, saving likely many more lives. So he was on the ship that was exploding. He was uh, a d- train dispatcher for the government, and he. Sent a telegraph. So how did he die? How did he sacrifice himself? He must have been by the harbor. And he's just like, I'm going down with this ship? Basically, because he knew that it was going to explode. So he sent one last telegraph, letting everybody know that this whole thing's going to explode. Sending the last telegraph probably reduces time, so Mm -hmm. he died. Mm -hmm. I gotcha, Mm -hmm. I gotcha. Mm -hmm. You know, normally I don't give credit to Canadians, but I will here. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so anyways. That's kind of cool, though. Fascinating stuff, really. Have you ever, I don't even know how to ask this. Here we go. Would you be a hero? Wow. (laughs) 
Okay, so moving on. Um, I should probably share with the podcast. Would about... you though? I would do my job. What does that mean? Whatever you want it to mean. If that makes me a hero, then talk about it. I I would do my job. I'm not talking about you being in the service. Thank you, by the way, for your service. God, but I'm literally going to lose my mind, dude. But, like, would you? So you're on the plane, and they give you that extra two feet of leg room. Let's go, bro. But with that, you have to be the hero. You have to help people off the plane, and Correct. you can be the last one to go down. Yeah. In that situation, would you actually help people, or would you be out? No, I'd help. Would you? Yeah. So I'd you help. would be the hero in that situation? I hate that word. But in that situation, you would be because you'd be saving lives and sacrificing your own. So we're not talking about like, oh, you were a nurse for the past two years. Thank you. No, we're talking about. God damn. <laughs> we're talking about in this situation, you would be sacrificing your own life. We cannot do Wednesday Wish Reviews before episodes, dude. It makes for more entertaining conversations. You got a little something-something underneath Syndicate there. Um, is it a bug? No. Is it? No. So in that situation, dirt. you would be, quote, hero, right? Yeah, I guess. I yeah, was, I, I would do my job. Meaning, if I am if I got the extra two feet of leg room and they're giving me a task of getting people off the plane, then I would do my job. I was on a plane once. What's Oh, these are jingling. Yeah. Uh, I was on a plane once, and there was this guy sitting in the section, and she's like, can you do this? And everyone's like, yeah, obviously. Like, this isn't going to happen. And if it is, I'm jumping out anyway because it's <laughs> – but I'm going to tell you because this isn't going to happen. I want the two extra feet. The dude just starts going off. He's like, absolutely not. I'm the first one off the plane. <laughs> oh, my God. And he sacrificed it for himself. So she's like, okay, sir, you have to move. Did he move? So she moved him, yeah. There, A flight attendant asked me, and she goes, are you comfortable? having this duty. And I looked at her and I go, I felt like Burt Kreishner. Because <laughs> I go, but I extended the number. I go, 1,000%. And I, it was like a Dwight Schrute response and I'm just staring into her soul and she's like, okay, okay. I'm like, I would die for you. <laughs> I'm not even an employee. Um, so but yeah, I, I have no problems throwing people down a slide. Like whatever. It's not that hard. Swim, you know. So in an in an emergency, if your plane's going down out of the sky, do you still have that obligation, or is it just to go down a slip and slide to the water? Dude, if we're if we're going down <laughs> and we're hitting water, I don't think it matters, right? Unless that dude can grease it like butter, I don't think it matters because we're we're hitting. I mean, we're not going eighty, right? I mean, we're hammering the water, <laughs> and you don't even know if you're going to hit water. Exactly, you could be hitting land. Exactly, and this, I get it. They made a movie about the Hudson River. Like the dude could just kind of float it in. For over, if you know Malaysia Airlines, you think anybody cared about two <laughs> extra feet of leg room? You know they're going down. Jesus Christ! You know, buy stock when it's low. I. So are you only able? Yeah, really. Are you only able? or required to do that duty if you're in water and you have to pull the chute? Or are there other, like, do you have to toss people out with parachutes on? No, I think it's just a, I think it's an emergency of like, hey, we already landed. We have the inflatable slides going down the sides. Then you're not a hero because the plane, you're safe. That's why I'm saying I hate the word. I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. If we're talking about like the plane's crashing and we have to be responsible for helping people off and we could potentially die in the process, then yeah, you're a hero. But if we're already the, in the water and yeah. you're pulling the plug to inflate the tube, 
You're no hero. If we're fighting back to prevent 9-11, like everyone that perished in PA on 9-11, they fought back to save the capital because that's where that plane was going. Like, those people are heroes. Right. They actively fought against everybody that hijacked a plane trying to get into the cockpit and then ended up basically getting in and forcing the plane into the ground. Like, yeah, we'll sacrifice this plane to save hundreds of thousands, potentially, depending on where they hit in the capital. Like, I mean, not hundreds of thousands, but many more. Yeah. Like, that's that's a heroic act. Those people are heroes. I I struggle with everybody being deemed a hero. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's where I draw the line. There's a situation for it. I draw the line. Yeah. Yeah. If you're taking incoming small arms fire and you're pulling your buddy out from a blown up Humvee after you hit an IED and he's on fire, you're on fire, and you're still doing your duty... Like, you're a hero. That actually happened, too. The dude got awarded the Medal of Honor right. way too late. But stuff like that. Yeah. That's – if you if you personally run, like in Call of Duty Modern Warfare, COD 4, and you're taking out actual pillboxes by yourself while getting shot at and you're alone, you're a hero. Like, that kind of stuff. Not – Went to work today. Right. A little bit overtime. <laughs> I don't I struggle. I got my booster. Yeah. I I struggle. But anyways, the Okay. The meat and potatoes of today's episode that's Would going you do sweet potato fries or I guess <laughs> that goes into next week because again we're batch recording, which we're supposed to batch record to allow us more time with our significant others, hence married. However, what's happening is we're just batch recording every week. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We don't care. Episodes for you guys until Christmas now. So we just don't care. So what we're doing this week is Q&A. Fans have sent in questions, and we are going to answer them. Um, So there's a bunch, which is fine. There's a couple good ones. And what we'll also do is the NFL draft happened. We'll talk about the draft. So we'll do that first, knock that out, and then we'll talk about all the questions that were asked to us to then fill the rest of the episode. Um, okay. So, NFL draft. Yeah, first. What do you think about the Browns being traded? Hollywood Brown and A.J. Brown. That was wild, man. For A.J. Brown to be traded is a massive failure within the Tennessee Titans organization. Absolutely. Um, Hollywood Brown being traded, business or not, was detrimental in the relationship with Lamar Jackson and the Ravens organization. Mm-hmm. I don't approve of both moves. I think it was beyond dumb. And I think a lot of it was there are teams, Chiefs included, that are having a problem being able to pay for all of the people on their team. And we don't, like, it's the reality. They just don't have the money. Mm-hmm. That's one aspect and one variable, right? The other variable is the people aren't drinking enough of the juice to take the pay cut to stay, seemingly, Mm -hmm. anyways, outsider looking in. And then the third other reason is potentially they just want to make money, so they don't really care anyways. Like, they're just going to do what they want to do as an athlete because they know that at the end of the day it's a business. You can see Tyreek Hill. Yeah, exactly. You're on one of the best teams in the AFC, and you are saying it's just business. I'm out of here because I want to make more money money playing for Tua. Right. if you're – that wouldn't happen on the Bills, I don't think. I think everybody that we bring in, draft or not, even if we trade for people, we're bringing in that culture. You're not going to find Diggs saying, I want to make more than DeAndre Hopkins and Devonta Adams, 
if you don't, I'm leaving to go play for the Patriots. Like, that's not happening because he's, like you said, drinking the juice. He's already bought into the culture. Mm-hmm. It's wild to me. Hollywood Brown requested the trade. Wild. Which is wild. I mean, Lamar Jackson, I don't like him as a quarterback. I don't think that he's that special. People are going all, all over the place with him. But I kind of like feel bad for him at this point. He's doesn't have an agent, which is the stupidest move in the entire world. He's negotiating his own contracts. But do you think maybe that has to do with because he's not happy with Baltimore and he doesn't want to commit, and he's just saying, let's play this out and see what offers I get next year instead of trying to negotiate a stay with Baltimore? I think he doesn't have an agent because and I'm giving him I'm gonna give him credit here. It may be because he has business ventures outside of the NFL and he's exploring negotiating these contracts to better help him in his pursuits outside of the NFL mm. as a business owner. A lot of dudes do that. You just don't hear about it. Like Bobby Wagner's a perfect example. Sure. That's literally why he did that. He didn't take his – he could have gotten an agent. He could have made more money. It wasn't about that for him. He wanted to learn the ins and outs. He wanted to understand why the language is used the way it's used. He wanted to understand business in a better way so that when he's done playing in a couple of years, he can then move into that business realm hmm. better set up and better suited. I don't know if Lamar's doing it for that, um, if he does good on him, but – I don't know the Ravens organization well enough to really understand that uh, that entire piece. Yeah. What I do know, though, is the relationship between Hollywood Brown and Lamar is extremely tight. So him losing Hollywood Brown is massive. But the relationship between Hollywood Brown and uh, Kyler Murray is even tighter. Right. They played together in mm-hmm. college. So they're, that's why Hollywood wanted to leave. I think it was like I'm breaking up with my girlfriend because I got someone better from Hollywood standpoint. And Lamar is sitting there and he's like, "Bro, I thought we like had something going." I I feel bad for Lamar, but talking about the Chiefs really quick, they didn't really have a, a spectacular draft, but just hitting on the fact of they the orga- of the organization. I mean, they got a lot of picks, but picks are picks, man. You don't you don't they know also, how they're going to turn out. They also signed an undrafted wide receiver out of Clemson. Yeah. So who's a stud? Well, and yeah. I'm worried about that. That's fine. Yeah. He's okay. So, but you you look at the Chiefs organization and they didn't even offer Tyron Matthew a contract at all, which is ridiculous. He ended up going where again? New Orleans. Yeah, that's right. If you're an organization and you value players, why aren't you even in talking to him? Even right. if it's not we can go over New Orleans. Just, "Hey dude, we can only offer you five mil, but you stay with the team. Five mil less, and you stay with the team. Maybe he would have taken it. Like that That's the type of stuff that I understand Andy Reid's a great coach, but coaching only gets you so far. If your organization's trash, it's trash. You're paying your quarterback half a billion dollars. You're not going to be able to pay everybody. And in that situation, you have to have the good culture to be like, okay, Matthew, we have – only this much to play with. Are you even willing to stick around for less than that, or do you want to do it? He said he didn't hear anything. He heard nothing? Nothing from the organization. Yeah, that's shocking. Are we at 15? I felt yes. that in my bones, um, So I, I understand what you're saying, that he's a stud coming out of Clemson, but he's an undrafted free agent, so clearly he didn't have a good showing. And you, I would rather take... Tyreek Hill, who's a proven guy, then gamble on three, sure. fourth, fifth, and sixth round draft picks. Mm-hmm. So, 
I just don't understand how Kansas City is a better team this coming year than they were last year. No way. I struggle. Yeah. Yeah, because the AFC is loaded. What I hope is we stay healthy, and I think our draft was spectacular. I think we did a really good job with what we had available. And I was excited for this offseason. I was excited for this draft. And I know at the beginning of May – I'm sorry. Yeah, beginning of – no, end of May. End of May, the Bills start the process for the next draft. Mm -hmm. So we're already in May. So in three weeks – that's it. They're yeah. already looking for April 2023. That's insanity. Yeah. I love that. What do you think about drafting Dalvin Cook's brother? I'm fine with it. Yeah. I thought it was a great move. He also wears my number, so let's rock and roll. Yeah, he's he's a little bit lighter than mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook, but like we've talked about numerous times, we have the best training facility in the entire NFL, so we can bulk him up, and he can be a beast. I don't think we're going to use him like that. I think he's going to be a pass catcher, hundred percent. He's a weapon. Yeah, he's a versatile weapon, which we didn't necess- We had, but we didn't have to his caliber. Yeah. We're looking for a uh, Alvin Caffrey. No, Alvin. Alvin Kamara. Yeah, yeah. That's what we're looking for, and we can supplement Singletary much better now because yeah. he's a great back. You and, can sell up Dalvin's brother though to like two of all five. He's like one ninety right now. He's a he's a small boy. Dude, he's coming to Buffalo. The kid's gonna eat. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah we, we he'll can be fine. A little bit. He'll be fine. But it's it's gonna be fascinating watching him develop. And our coaching staff is sound when yeah. it comes to the backs and everything else. I'm excited for him. I think it's a great fit. What do you think about Kyrie Elam? Fine with it. Yeah, fine with it. When they chose his name, did you have any reaction or no? I knew it was either a corner or a wide receiver. So when we went corner, I'm like, all right, that makes sense because the depth of wide receiver was so deep with the combine because, of course, I watched the combine too, which I implore everybody to do. Um, I I think it's a great, great way to go about it. I was a little shocked that we took him, we traded up to take him. I I mean, Brandon Bean said he was the last player that they had a first-round draft grade on. Yeah. So – in that situation, it makes sense. Let's get up. We're not going to give up too much anyway. Let's move two spots. Let's make sure we grab our guy and let's leave. Mm-hmm. We weren't going to lose him, though. I can almost guarantee you we weren't going to lose him in those next two picks because we like Green Bay wasn't going to take him. It's it wasn't about that. I think it was the there was drama around the Patriots and the Chiefs working together to ensure that the Bills didn't get their guy. And there was that element brought into it too, which forced our hand to be like, let's just move up and get yeah. him because it, it is what it is. Like, we'll just ensure that we can at least get our guy. And that's what they did. So there was that element too. Yeah. Because it was Patriots, then Green Bay, and then us. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah. Yeah. And the Patriots and the Chiefs were conspiring to essentially try to figure out a way to keep us from getting our guy. Yeah. Whatever. It is what it is. It's a draft. I mean, right. I don't even know if that's true. That's that's the just the, the most uh, repeated rumor mill yeah. from, you know, the f- the fake news. We signed – we have like three offensive linemen that are 6'8", 300 pounds. I'm juiced. We beefed up our line, too. Thank we did, God. We got an undrafted free agent, too. We brought him in. He's a big boy. Mm-hmm. He slammed his brother through a table. I'm like, relax, dude. You don't got to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and we picked up a linebacker from Clemson, which yeah. is awesome. So I'm excited to see how they all develop. It's just a good depth move. And yeah. it makes sense that we want linebacker because we got rid of AJ Klein. One more thing. We didn't draft a safety. Do you think that's good news or bad news for Poyer? Uh, Poyer's not going anywhere, dude. Okay. That's what I thought. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. Okay. There's right. no way. You want to get into the meat and sweet potatoes of today's episode? All right. 
Here we go, everybody. Q&A from the fans. So we got a bunch. We had to surf through some. Um, Tyler, just so you know, I'm not going to say his name. So moving on. Okay. First question. Does unopened bourbon stay good forever? Nope. Next question. Um, there is, there are thoughts around when bourbon becomes bad. If it's in the bottle and it's closed and it's sealed and you have it on your shelf, it can last for however long you want. But as soon as you open it, you are then introducing new oxygen into it and it is evaporating the alcohol that is in the whiskey. So the longer that it's open, scientifically, the it's not going to be good forever, obviously, because you opened it. Now, there is a sweet spot as to when most people in the industry feel like it is at that point where you should probably start chugging. No, not, no, no. Really no, no, no. That's not the question. What do you mean? If it's unopened. Oh, I thought you said open. My bad. No. Does unopened whiskey last forever? Yeah. Does unopened bourbon stay good forever? No. I don't think it stays good forever. It's unopened. Well, yeah, but even wine doesn't stay good forever. Yeah, but wine's a different type of spirit. It's it's like a living thing. Like you age wine. Whiskey's already aged. Yeah, but you're putting it in a bottle. It's aging. It's going to be in the bottle. You're going to have separation between the alcohol and the whiskey in the bottle. You can't have a 30-year-old whiskey and leave it on the shelf for 90 years and it still tastes the same. That's not how that works. You're still going to have separation because there's oil contents in there. There's alcohol that is still going to be living in there. And it's not like it was pressure sealed. Right. So there's still going to be degradation in the whiskey. I'm not sure how long it'll last, but there's no way that it tastes good forever. I would probably say... I mean, there's a long shelf life. There's a long shelf life. I mean, it's not going to go bad. It's just not going to taste as good. So I guess that's really where you, the listener, if you have whiskey at your house, want to take that gamble. If you're buying a bottle of Pappy Van Winkle, you're investing into it, and you're planning on never opening it, then that's fine. But if you're buying a bottle of Balvini 30, and you're thinking about opening it and eventually to have a good pour to celebrate something, I would probably open it. Within a reasonable time frame. And don't let it sit on your shelf for 14 years because in 14 years it might not be good. So maybe crack that bad boy open. We've heard multiple stories too for extra validation to kind of really you know drive that point home. There's been people that have found unopened bottles from the original Buffalo distilling mm-hmm. in someone's basement and it was just horrendous. Like yeah. it wasn't even – it was just an unopened bottle that was sitting in someone's basement. Um, cool dry place for storage, right? Like all the boxes were checked and then they opened it and tried it and it was – horrendous because it went bad so there is a shelf life essentially in regards to unopened bourbon bottles um the exact is probably dependent on bottle to bottle yeah you whiskey is not airtight like these aren't airtight containers they're mostly porous corks that can expand but you also have to take into account too a lot of corks are literally corks and you can get degradations in the cork and then in that case when you open it the cork will break apart and fall into the whiskey so there's a lot of variables that go into same with leaving yeah leaving whiskey and anything on the shelf for too long you're going to get separation it's not meant to be in this state forever they actually tell you for wine to lay it down on its side and Mm -hmm. not uh, stand it up so the wine gets into the cork and keeps it moist 
But even in that situation, these aren't airtight, so they will degrade after time. I just don't know how long. Next question. Next question. You can pick one bottle for each category that you have to stick with for the rest of your life. There's a mixer, a sipper, and a celebration. Of any whiskey? You can pick one bottle for each category that you have to stick with for the rest but of your life. But it can be like bourbon, scotch, rye. Can yeah. Anything? Okay. So mixer, sipper, celebration. <clears throat> mixer. Yeah. So when I think mixer. Let's look at mixer first. I immediately go to old fashions because that's a consistent drink that I can make at my house. I got my own twist on an, old, on an AOF. And I use a couple different whiskeys for it. If I had to choose one, I'd probably go with Maker's Mark for an old-fashioned because it makes a damn good old-fashioned. And it's a nice little twist that most people don't expect. Can you only use it for mixing? It's for the – I mean, if you wanted to use – Maker's Mark for a mixer. Are you asking, could you use Maker Mark for a celebration or a sipper? Well, I'm just saying, like, if I don't want to, I can just pick three whiskeys. And then if I want to use one this day and then use it for a celebration next day, then I'll do that. You know, or does it have to be if I'm choosing this bottle for a mixer? This is only what this is used for for the rest of my life. You can pick one bottle for each category that you have to stick with for the rest of your life. Damn, that's tough. For a so start with mixer. For a mixer, I think I would honestly choose for me because I really like the sweetness of it, and it to me it mixes well with other flavors, and it's still high enough proof where the flavors come through. Devil's River, Devil's River blended bourbon. Okay, it's cheap enough that I can literally do whatever I want with it. I don't feel bad about pouring it into a, a mixer. And the flavors are so pronounced, yet sweet enough, that they combine very well with any type of cocktail, in my opinion. Question. Yep. Longevity. We're both 29 years old. Do you think Devil's River is going to be around when we're 80? Do you think Maker's Mark is going to be around when we're 80? Very good question. Because if this is it for life, what happens, say, at 64 when Devil's River goes out, I mean, for me, I'm crushed because I love Devil's River. Yeah. I don't think Maker's Mark's going to go anywhere, which is why I also leaned into Kentucky for lo- a longevity sense. Yeah, but then all these three are going to be Kentucky for you? No. I already know my next two. So... <clears throat> I would say Devil's River will be around for the long term. They just invested in a new building. They seem very into their craft, and it seems like people, specifically in Texas, are really grabbing or like holding to it. Yeah. Yep. And it's cheap enough to where I don't think that they'll be pushed out of the market by something cheaper. Okay. If you're looking for something, it's less than thirty bucks. I don't see that going anywhere unless they sell it to a larger distillery. And they end up rebranding the name, which in that case, the juice of Devil's River I would use for mixing, not necessarily Devil's River. Okay. Sipper. Glen Rose Spirits, just kidding. Um, You have one unheard message. 
Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply for a sipper a sipper bourbon it doesn't have to be a bourbon or a sipper it's you can pick one bottle i'm going to do probably a bourbon for this one for a sipper yeah because celebration i already know what i want for celebration but a sipper i don't know what do you got for sipper bilvenny 14 year caribbean cask oh yeah I can do so much with that. What do you mean? You can do so much with that. Year-round, cigar, no cigar, conversations in depth with best friends, no conversation, me alone with my dog on a porch. Uh, no matter where I am in the world, that's going to be unbelievable. I don't care what time of day, nothing. If I have that drink, it it's 5 o'clock somewhere, and I'm super happy. That's a great sipper for me. That's my selection for sipper. My sipper would probably be Woodenville. That is a whiskey out uh, that, to me, I can have, like you're just saying, at any time. It's always readily available. It's been around for a while, so it's going to stick. Well, not too long. But I have a feeling that that is a, that's a good whiskey that you can put in anything. You can bring it to somebody. It is very versatile, so if I'm having people over that also want to sip, can give it to them, and that's a, a whiskey that they can even appreciate. Mm -hmm. So it's a very universal whiskey. I can have it sipping on any type of day. It could be a bonfire whiskey, or it can be a I'm watching TV whiskey. And it's not off-putting to the fact that I'd ever get sick of it, and it has a consistent enough taste where it's the same every single time that I have it. And it's in a cool bottle, too. Fair. Celebration. Mm -hmm. Celebration is the Balvenie 14. Mine is Oban 14. Yeah. Balvenie 14 is, to me, at a perfect price point. <clears throat> and it has such intricate flavors that I don't know, for me personally, if I would, I would ever want to have that every single day because or every time I'm having whiskey because I love the variances in that whiskey. So having it. Every once in a while for a special celebration is like, oh, this is a treat. This is why I like this whiskey. Let me sit down, relax, and enjoy it because I don't know the next time that I'm going to be celebrating something. Let me enjoy it this time. So that's kind of where my thought process of putting that one into a special celebration uh, would be for me. So why for you 
are you putting Oban in a special celebration and not Balvini in the special celebration? Because for me, I'm going to get deep. Go for it. I'm so personal development is key for me because I'm always trying to work on myself first, right? To just be a better person. So in that, I am currently working on being present. So if it's a sipper and I have Belvini 14 as my sipper, it's forcing me to be present, to enjoy what I have at that current exact second, and then just relax and experience where I am at that moment. And that's also the benefit of whiskey, period, mm-hmm. is that it makes you slow down and enjoy it. So for me, if it's an everyday sipper for the rest of my life, it's whiskey, it's scotch, it's designed for you to just slow down, be present, and enjoy it. Is that a phrase? Slow down and drink up. Can we do that? What? Like on our next shirt? I kind of like that idea. Like slow down and enjoy. Maybe. We'll talk to him about it. Yeah. But the but that's why it's my sipper. And then for a celebration, Oban is a twist, right? It's a little different scotch. Um, it's a little pricier compared to above any 14 by like 10 to 20 bucks. Mm-hmm. But what you're getting out of that is like the moment, right? Because it's Oban 14 and it's same elements of above any 14, but it's bringing in a couple more things to force you into that next step of, okay. Right. Like it's an Oban 14 year somewhat hard to find about a hundred bucks after tax. This is a good moment. And then you're bringing in everything that you're actually celebrating with that one drink. So that's why it's that for me on to the next. So I'm going to change my answer for the sipper because I think that my favorite, which I forgot to touch on, I I was trying to think of non, non like, mainstream whiskeys yeah but i think my sipper i would change to weller 107 weller 107 is damn good it is very damn good and it tastes very good it'll be around forever yeah it's a little bit pricier so taking price out of the equation unless you go to ohio or weller's like 42 dollars for some odd reason weller 107 is my favorite kentucky whiskey um so that would probably be my sipper everyday sipper that's fair that's fair a bottle that you were excited about that disappointed you I'll go first. Go for it. Screwball whiskey. Come at me. How did it disappoint you? It was syrup. <laughs> it was syrup. I wanted like uh Balotin type it experience and then I got syrup and I'm not not about it. Mm-hmm. Not about it. Probably because I'm a purist when it comes to whiskey in general, but yeah, that's where I'm at. Probably for me, I'm trying to think. I think that probably my least, my the time that I was most disappointed was when we drank Suntory Toki. I knew you were going to go Japanese yeah. as soon as you looked over your shoulder. Because I was expecting so much from that Japanese whiskey and that in general. Mm-hmm. Kokori, I was thinking about Kokori first when he first had that question, and I couldn't. There are three whiskeys that I was thinking about. Centauri Toki, Kokori, and Pappy. 
I can't say Pappy that I'm disappointed in because there's no way in hell that anybody in the right mind would think that Pappy is worth $1,700. No way. So you can't say, I wish this would have been better because your expectations would have been so high for mm-hmm. the price that it is that you're, that'd be stupid for you to even think that it would taste that good. Kokori, I couldn't say that I was upset with that because I didn't genuinely know what to expect from a rice whiskey. It didn't taste very good, and I was excited, and I wanted it to taste good. But I just don't know where my expectations were when I tasted it, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Kokori or Centauri Toki, I was expecting it to be something different and something that we got from Kamiki, which was that Japanese whiskey aged in cedar casks that provided me with a tasting note that was so different and so unique and Japanese-centric that made me excited to have it. I didn't get that with Centauri Toki. Mm-hmm. And now it's not even considered Japanese whiskey. So Correct. I would probably say Centauri Toki would be my biggest disappointment because I was expecting it to be something truly unique, and it was just not that. Fair. Thanks, man. Very fair. <laughs> I got nothing to add because we won the war. Um, okay, True so. Brad, that's another one that I was, kind of was super upset about. No doubt we should add that to the list. Yeah. Bren was not what we expected. Yeah, it to so be. Bren is a French single malt, and I was—I mean, dude, you French were single malt. I was excited because it's from a country that I never had whiskey from before. Yeah, and I was expecting it to be feminine. I was expecting it to be light and enjoyable for everybody, and it, I guess I kind of expected it to be scotch, but probably something more along the lines of like a unpeated space side scotch. I think that's what I was expecting it to be. Instead, we got bubble gum. I know. That was the most th- – that is, I guess, a really good call. That was probably the most disappointed I've ever been with the whiskey because I was expecting it to not be bubble gum. But outside of that, it would have been Kiko- or, uh, Centauri Toki. Fair. Very fair. Yeah. I've heard the opinion – that the difference in quality in a $20 bottle and a $60 bottle is significant. But over $60, the quality increase per increase in price starts fading. Your thoughts? Great question. Yeah. Um, There's a significant portion on our spreadsheet that you can see in our link tree that's in our bio on our Instagram. I got to update that. That outlines every spirit we've tried. You would be vastly surprised on how much of those are below $60 retail price. The reason being is... One rapport. The other reason being <laughs> is there are so many good whiskey options below $60 that don't get the attention that they deserve. And I don't know if it's because of their like company growth projections or if they're just trying to get their juice out there or if it's because it they don't need it to be that expensive because of their their cost analysis but like there's really really good products for less than sixty dollars from across the United States that are unbelievable and we spent so literally the last three years diving in almost all of them so here's an analogy for you and don't make fun of me for this but Whiskey under 60 bucks 
is like the Ford Focus or Chevy Cruze. A thousand percent. It's all clout related. Anything over than that is just you want something more expensive, something more luxurious that provides you absolutely no performance benefit from a practical standpoint. Your whiskey under thirty or under sixty bucks is you buying a Ford Focus. It's going to get the job done. It's still a great vehicle. Yeah, you're going to get sloshed. It's going to get you where you need to go, and it's going to be the most efficient and practical thing for you to get. Like getting like, something over that is you instead of getting a Chevy Cruze, you getting a a Volkswagen Jetta. Volkswagen Jetta, exactly. Something that is th- will do the exact same thing, but you're just paying more for it. Here's what's nuts, and I'm a car guy, and this was sent in by somebody who's also a car guy because I know him. Um, When you look face value at an M3, a Jaguar F-Type, Maserati Gran Turismo C, um, Mercedes G-Wagon, a Ford Focus, a... A 1999 Dodge Intrepid, right? At the end of the day, all of the vehicles I just named take you from point A to point B Mm -hmm. with four tires and a drive shaft and two axles and a steering wheel, gas and brake pedal. Perfect. (laughs) Maybe a clutch, depending on the car. You are then going to say, I'm okay with spending... $1,200 on an oil change because I want the name, the badge, and the engineering behind it. I want the name, the badge on the label, and the distillery behind it. It's the same thing. And for us, maybe it's because we po, maybe it's because we middle class, but we've had the M3s. We've had the Toyota Supras modded out. We've had the Maseratis and the Lamborghinis and the G-Wagons and said it tastes the exact same as it does with a six-speed standard Chevy Cruze. And I'm sorry. Like, you could watch our Pappy Lot B review, and the first thing I said was, tastes like Weller, which is, I don't know, $948 (laughs) cheaper. So I struggle with that because – yeah, my thoughts are exactly what's in the question. It's 1,000% almost not worth the money. Where it's worth the money is if you're flipping and trading bottles, and that's something that has to be discussed because the back-end dark market of bourbon, you make mad money on, and you can build a serious collection that rivals every local whiskey bar, no matter what state you're in, because you can swap bottles, trade bottles, You can buy cheap, sell high, name it, and that chase is fun for a lot of people, just like a lot of people flip cars. Mm -hmm. And houses and everything. Yeah, it's the same thing. It's just something different. The the same processes apply. It's just a different product. So it's a conversation worth having. The best thing about that is that everything generally, except for scotch, is in like an Alberta rye, it's American. Like, have at it. Enjoy that. Flip bottles of bourbon. Mm -hmm. Bring things in where you're like, I want Michter's. I want Weller. 
I want Woodenville. I want Devil's River Distiller Select. I want Jack Daniels Sinatra or whatever. Like yeah. the Eric Church edition, just for the bottle. Like that whole game is a blast. And that is where you can potentially offset the quality of bourbon for the collectible piece. And the story, yeah. And the story behind it. Which the only thing that I would stipulate with that is I would probably change the range from twenty to sixty, maybe to thirty to sixty. I agree because because twenty I don't know. to thirty is like Evan Williams, and I think couple of the Devil's River right is twenty eight or something like that. Yeah, even like Cask and Crew is like twenty five. Yeah, but like Devil's River is an anomaly. I honestly think that they could up their price, and this isn't me sucking up to Devil's River. They don't pay us for any of this. It's just truly my favorite budget whiskey, but. They could sell their stuff for 35 40 bucks, and I'd still buy it. Dude, they could sell for 45 and I'd still buy yeah. it. Yeah. So they're kind of the anomaly in this situation. I don't know if I've ever had a good whiskey under 30 bucks though. Like, even Mellow Corn, that was under 30 bucks. That was trash. Correct. It was fine, but, like, it wasn't anything to go crazy about. Yeah. And there's a lot of people, though. Here's another thing. The local whiskey scene in your local town, city, or whatever – Primarily chart is between like forty five to fifty bucks. Don't get fooled just because within that category that it's good. There's still a lot of bad whiskey in that category. So you have to understand and try a lot of stuff. But that's the good thing about having that good option between thirty and sixty bucks is that if you buy something for forty, you don't feel bad about it. Whereas if you buy a scotch for eighty and you hate it, then you're kind of feeling a little bad about it because it costed you a lot more. Don't get fooled that anything in this category is good because there's a lot of shitty options in this category. Correct. But that's probably your sweet spot where you're going to find the most variability in the tasting profiles of different whiskeys and you don't feel bad if one of them tastes bad. Are we about halfway through the list? No. No? Are we more or less? There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven more. And how many did we go through? One, two, three, four. All right, let's do one more. Right now. Tips for doing the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. Don't know. I've never done it. All right, we'll see you guys later. Yeah, so I got I got a couple for this. Um, Derek and I have never done the Kentucky Bourbon Trail. Say Sad. what you want. We, we graduated from Moonshine University. Shout out. The, <laughs> the biggest thing about this question is... I'm going to personally, because I can't speak for Derek. Sometimes I can. Most times I can't. There's aspects of the Kentucky Bourbon Trail that I would recommend somebody who's never done it before. If they were looking for tips, this is how I would approach it if I were to personally go. Because of this podcast, right? Okay. So the first thing that I would do is look at it from an out-of-the-box perspective. Most people are going to go there and just try to drink the juice, buy a, a Glencairn glass or another type of whiskey-tasting glass from the distillery, walk around, do the tour, cool. While you're there, do something else in regards to when you're on that same tour, ask a question that nobody else thought of. Try to think outside of the box while being present, right? So ask more questions about the story. Ask more questions about what actually makes this place this place. Very weird, off-the-cusp questions that the tour guide generally doesn't get asked. Like, hey, man, your barrels are, like, really tight. Once they 
put the staves together? Are they sanding them again and then sending the barrels out before you put the juice in? Like those kind of random one-off questions where most times you and I ask those questions during interviews to business owners and they're staring at us like, who hurt you? Right. You know, like why, what in the world was that all about? And you're like, dude, I just want to know the ins and outs of this place because yes, I'm here to obviously support the distillery, have the experience, whatever, but I'm trying to have a different take on this so that when I go home, I can talk about it with my sphere of influence and then have a totally different perspective to then elaborate that, educate people on, and then really drive home that experience to then make them want to go. Because when you entice other people to go based off what your experience is, it only helps those distilleries Hence, you know, some of them are small businesses. Others are just like almost a monopoly. Like Buffalo Trace isn't going to go anywhere. But it's going to entice them to go to continue supporting the American spirit, which is the whole point. So the more people that buy into what you're doing, then because of the information that you ascertain from that trip is worth it. The other thing that I would do is be smart. Obviously, drink responsibly. Be a good person. Don't litter. Um, Everything catches up quick. So eat. Eat solid food. Be smart. Have your alcoholic portions poured intelligently. Don't just go ham, right? Don't do what we do during Wednesday Whiskey Reviews. That's my other tip. And then my last thing is just be present. Just enjoy it. Soak everything in. Like if you're if you're walking properties and premises and just overall uh, distilleries, like go off the path and then Go walk around the outer perimeter of the distillery and just take a look at the rickhouses. Go see how their landscaping is done. Like, just go play in the woods. Like, go look around. Go see how the environment feels. Just immerse yourself in the entire environment to really understand what makes that place that place. And then you'll, again, have a better experience on the back end to then elaborate that to your friends and family to then entice them to go. Yeah. The only thing that I would probably add to to that, and it's kind of going off of your first point, is... If I was going to the Kentucky Bourbon Trail, I would hate. I would visit every single, very historical first distillery. Distillery, I would try to make it a historical trip rather than a. I want to try the best juice trip because as much as you and I talk uh, talk about Kentucky and how it's not our favorite to taste, it's because it's in the same climate. It's got the same barometric pressure. Yep. Generally speaking, they're using pretty similar barrels, maybe different chars, but a lot of it tastes similar to each other. So if you're going to go to Kentucky and go to different distilleries with the thought of you trying different tasting whiskeys, you're going to be disappointed because most of them will taste the same. And quite frankly, after a while, your your palate will be so shot anyway because you didn't listen to Mike's point about drink responsibly, be a good person, and don't litter, and you're hammered at this point. <laughs> so you're not going to be able to tell the difference between one distillery's product and the other. So what I would do is I would go to historical distilleries that were around and were one of the first distilleries that America saw because that is going to be where the history is. That's where you're going to learn the most about whiskey in the United States. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get more of a value from somebody telling you a story about the distillery than you having one of Buffalo Trace's single barrel that they only sell there, and it's different from that. So just try to make your experience as memorable as possible. And for me, what I would do is make it historical because that is what I would remember most, and that's where I would get most benefit. No doubt. All right, well, everybody, thank you so much for joining today's episode, episode 138. We did some Q&A today, so if that's something that you're interested in, 
make sure you stick around for next week because we're going to be doing even more of that. Uh, and yeah, so if you're going to be going to the Kentucky Trail, definitely go listen to some of our suggestions there around what we would do if we were there. And let us know if there's other questions that you would like us to answer because we are here for you. As we said already a couple times, please remember to always drink responsibly, be a good person. And Michael, do not litter. We're out. time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.